0: Hello, and welcome to SAP and Azure Talk. My name is Ravi Kashyap.
1: And I'm Nathan Weaver. And today is episode four, where we're continuing our conversation on high availability. We're going to spill down into one of the components around shared storage. But first, before we dive into that too far, let's get a little bit of the definition stuff out of the way, Ravi. A couple different storage types, right? In Azure, you've got this thing called blob storage, which think of that as your general use Storage that's kind of sitting out there. When we talk about SAP, though, you know what? You're going to be using this stuff called managed storage. And even under managed storage, there's standard SSDs and standard disk drive, all that kind of fun stuff. Always for SAP, you're going to want to leverage premium storage. I I kind of hesitated a little bit when I said always. For production environments, you're always going to want to leverage premium storage or higher. And I'll talk about that in a second. But there are managed storage devices called standard that you can sometimes use for your non-production environments, but generally you're going to want to leverage premium storage uh, across your landscape. I say or higher. Uh, There's also this stuff called ultra disks that are under the managed storage option, and there are use cases where that makes sense with SAP. And then there's the creme de la creme for a lot of reasons. I want to stop saying it's the best because really there's use cases that feed into the story around it, but it's called Azure NetApp Files and there are definitely use cases where you want to leverage that. Last time, we also spent a lot of time talking about infrastructure SLAs and availability, and that led to the application layer SLAs. The one thing that I wanted to add to around that is common term composite SLAs, but that's where you look at your overall system and you think about your weak links, right? You're only as strong as your weak link and all the math kind of adds up, but it's important as you Look across your overall landscape. While you may have some systems that you've got in there at four nines, that may not be helpful if one of your main single points of failure is three nines or less, right? So, it's just important. And as we kind of dive into this, uh, I'm going to ask Ravi to spend time here talking about the use cases. But Ravi, the other thing I want you to kind of point back to is just at the appropriate times, let's talk about what a composite SLA kind of means in conjunction to it.
0: There's a mathematical definition to it too. Composite SLA is the multiplication of all the individual SLAs. So if we have four nines for VMs, four nines for ANF, or if you pick something in three nines, so let's say you have a shared storage that's only three nines, the composite SLA would be four nines multiplied by four nines multiplied by three nines. And as you can see, the multiplication would be lower than four nine, bringing down the overall SLA.
1: So Ravi, I say shared storage, Give me some of the use cases in SAP land that relate back to shared storage. Talking about use
0: cases, so shared storage use case relies where we are not replicating data. So we talked about ACS where we are replicating NQ server. or We talked about databases where we are replicating the data itself. Shared storage use case is when we are not replicating data and we still want something to decide when things fail over things like SAP MNT directory, which contains the kernel or profile directory. If you have an interface to the system or transport directory, SAP trans, let's not forget the HANA use case, which is HANA scale out with standby. If you don't have a standby, you can still use premium storage, but if you want to do a scale out and standby, you have to have a shared storage and only certified shared storage in this case
1: is ANF. Hey Ravi, how'd you say that first one? Do you actually say it's SAP MNT? Yes. (laughs) No, it's just funny. It's just differences, right? Back in my day, we always called it sat mount. Just always, it, it just came on. I always called it sat mount. It's just interesting to hear somebody talk about it in a different way. It's just funny. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, but no, no, The use no, cases, definitely. it'll be important as you get into the next section, too, as, as far as like what are the options of how you're going to do it. Maybe as you tell us this stuff, too, when we think about it, are, are there options for us to stick this in shared locations? Um, so, so, where are you going to stick this stuff, Robbie?
0: As far as available option goes, we were talking about the available storage options there, but what are the shared storage options now? You could do an NFS cluster where you install two different VMs, put it in a cluster set or a zone and and enable NFS clustering on it. That's one way to go. You can do the same thing with Windows cluster. You put two Windows boxes and use a third-party software such as Sios Data Keeper or something to make it clustered. You can use Windows Disk. you can use Azure Files. A lot of these are certified for SAP, or you can use the one that you are talking about earlier, Azure NetApp Files. So Azure NetApp Files being the Cadillac, everything. There you go. It's the Cadillac of everything. It, it runs <laughs> a lot of other options because it's versatile, it has the built-in SLA, it's a pass solution rather than interested solution that comes as an NFS cluster and stuff. So only thing to pay attention would be, what is the use case? Do you have Windows Server or Linux Servers? If you have Windows Servers and you want to shared disk, then you have to have the minimum SAP NetWeaver version of 740 and kernel of 749, for example. If you have Linux, you have to either use NFS Cluster or ANF, which provides NFS Service.
1: Hey, Ravi, let me ask you a question on this, though, too. We talked earlier about having our shared services environment clustered together with a load balancer in front of it and all that kind of stuff. So now we're talking about another cluster for the NFS shared Mm -hmm. environment. Would you stick those on the same box? Same box as? Your central services, would you put this NFS share, since you got to cluster it anyway, would you put them on the same box?
0: No, I like to keep the services separate. Let's say if you are creating an NFS cluster, you will want to share it with other systems too. Since you're getting something with 99.99 SLA, why not share it across the board? So you can have either one or two clusters shared among your SAP systems rather than just tying it to one SAP system and then you end up creating multiple clusters.
1: That yeah, it's sense. kind of a trick question, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing too, we get into this conversation a lot where customers will look at how they are building out their Azure environment and try to think about are they building it SAP specific? Or are they building it across their organization? What I mean by that is you may end up having multiple landscapes, not just SAP, but multiple products running inside of Azure. Now, obviously, you have security and specialized segmented areas, and maybe you've got subscriptions based on production, development, and quality. I I don't even know. You have your design, but the point is this NFS and the shared and even the backup directories, if you're using a third party, there's other pieces and parts that go into the story that you need to think about your overall landscape. In your approach for how you're doing shared. It just so happens that SAP has these specific items, but you may want to share information across your entire landscape.
0: Yeah, that's correct. And the other thing that I would like to mention is every time you use an option, say ANF or Windows Cluster, look at what SLA that's provided because you are going to stick it together with all the other highly available systems that we talked about. You don't want your shared storage SLA to be lower than what you're already providing for database or application. Otherwise, this will bring down everything. Having said that, it's not necessary that whatever SLA is provided now, it will be the same in future. You want to pay attention to the changes also. The example that comes to my mind is ANF again. When NF started, SLA was only 3.9. And over the course of time, it has gotten to 4.9. So now I like NF a lot better than I used to when it had only three nines because I wasn't a big fan of putting it in a scenario where it's giving me a lower SLA than my boxes or my virtual machines were.
1: Yeah, Ravi, that's a great point. I mean, it's a really great point because it's also interesting to see how fast Azure services are improving from day one till now, right? For even the investment that Microsoft is making in the different cloud native services is tremendous. Do you see that too?
0: My favorite way of putting this is Something at the speed of cloud, it changes so much that is by definition, it has a higher speed than everything else. So I see that not only with PaaS solution, but also in Azure solution or anything that has to do with service versioning. For example, talk about Azure Backup. So Azure Backup has improved a lot. VM SLAs have improved a lot. Originally, we never provided a VM SLA for something with standard storage, but now we do.
1: Yeah, I definitely see it with Azure Backup. That's a great one. Uh, honestly, the monitoring tools that are out there, not to get off topic here, but sitting back watching all the improvements and watching all the investments, I actually am surprised how fast things are going, not only in the cloud space, but it's the old dog food piece. You know, what's the right saying? It used to be we eat our own dog food, but I guess it's we drink our own wine, right? <laughs> uh, but the fact that Microsoft runs such a large SAP landscape inside of Azure and we make things available for our customers, we're constantly... Constantly looking for better ways to do some of
0: the things that we have improved over time has come from our internal experience.
1: So let me ask you this question, Robbie. We get to the point where we say best option, right? So you just talked about the different the different things that we have to have, the different clustering of the environment for these shared pieces, uh, whether it's the executables on set mount or our interface directory or even user set trains when you're doing our changes and talking about even change management pieces. What's the best way to do that?
0: I guess I'm going to give you the consulting answer. The best option is the one that meets your requirements. I
1: thought you were going to say it depends. consulting
0: (laughs) answer is it depends. The one that meets requirements is kind of along the same lines. Last time you were talking about the trade-offs and there's a trade-off between what meets the requirements versus the cost and complexity. And that's why I like to use the requirement as a baseline because that justifies the higher cost. If I were to have a higher requirement and that comes along with the greater cost, so the the cost has to be justified or the complexity has to be justified and only a good way to justify it is based on requirements.
1: Makes sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. So Ravi, further thinking about this, let's talk about end-to-end. What does an end-to-end scenario looks like
0: in your mind since we talked about all the individual components so if you are a customer or if you're trying to evaluate SAP on Azure, how would you evaluate an end-to-end high availability?
1: So we touched on this a little bit last time that we identified the three big, I don't wanna call them single points of failure, but we identified three different categories last time. So we talked about the central services and we clustered that. We talked about the application layer with availability sets or availability zones, however you configure that piece. Then we got into the whole, how are we gonna be available on our database layer and and using HANA system replication or not, depending on what your SLA is for your availability. I think that if we're talking about end-to-end scenarios, again, I think you got to take a step back and realize that maybe your situation might be a little bit different. And what I mean by that is if I'm on an oil rig in the middle of the Gulf, then I might have a different single point of failure than or multiple single points of failure than somebody else, right? Because how is my network connecting and what's my GUI going to look like? Am I using my cell phone to access pieces? Do I have a, an intrinsically safe device for whatever reason? Or am I leveraging some device that is leveraging a Citrix or a, a VDI or virtual desktop environment sitting in Azure or something else, right? So all of those things, you just have to consider that I'm sitting at a computer, I'm sitting at something, I'm holding something that is accessing an SAP environment, you literally have to walk through that device to a network, to redundancies, to whatever that end state is that I can make a call to an SAP environment that's going to do stuff and send me a response back, right? So I say end-to-end scenario, it's the network, it's the redundancies, and it's it's all those pieces that even go all the way out to my end user. Everything put together.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you have a backup internet at your house? What were you
1: going to do if anything goes out? I do. You do too, if you're you're like me, right? So I'm an Xfinity guy. So I have Comcast cable here. Unless I'm down at my beach house, we've got Spectrum, right? (laughs) But honestly, my backup, if I'm thinking about what do I do working from home now, if my primary network goes down, what do I do? And the answer is I tether to my cell phone. I was going to
0: say exactly the same thing. My my backup plan is a personal hotspot from Verizon.
1: Yeah, and then worst case scenario, I jump in the car and go to the library or anywhere else that has Wi-Fi available, but I have options, right? Again, it's just thinking about it. If I'm on my platform, maybe I have some kind of satellite connection and maybe my backup is I have another satellite connection. I don't know, but <laughs> that's kind of the same thing that's out there. And maybe my requirement is different. Because maybe on cloudy days, I don't need to access the Internet. I don't know. But my point <laughs> is everybody's situation could be a little bit different. And, and that makes me think about when the hurricanes come through, right? And you have to think about what is my redundancy if the network goes down? Do I have a satellite connection if I need it? Do I have a cellular connection if I need it? It feeds into that whole high availability that depending on how long I can take an outage, what's my business continuity plan? And that goes yes, for sir. business us- users as well as production sites.
0: Let me tell you my point of view. If a hurricane comes, I'm looking for food and water. I'm not going to be worried about my internet.
1: <laughs> well, you do live in Texas, Ravi. You might have some electricity issues. I'm just saying.
0: No kidding.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. We talk about a lot of stuff. And to that extent, if I'm a user, if I'm a confused person that's trying to figure out where to start, where can I find more information about this?
1: So, Ravi, I think the point of this little podcast that we're doing now, obviously, we're not going to the nth level of detail. We're trying to just bring up topics, maybe give you a little bit of areas to go research, but we're just trying to give you the talking points. And for me, actually, Microsoft documentation has gotten a lot better over the years. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Exactly. If you go to docs.microsoft.com, reference architectures have gotten a lot better. And now we are doing use case-based too. So if you're talking about high availability, we are doing high availability on SUSE Linux, high availability on Red Hat Linux, high availability using NFS, HA using ANF. So think of a use case and Microsoft has documentation specific to that use case, versus just talking about high availability and use this. So I do like that, separate it out, and you can pick a use case that applicable to you and read documentation just for that part.
1: Yeah, and I think that as you learn some of the nuances of cloud, And some of the little tricks of the trade, it helps you to pick up more. And what I mean by that is like going back to my statement about I never really split off my central services before. So now that we've kind of talked about it, hopefully if you see it on a diagram, it makes sense. Or now that you hear us talking about how are you going to handle your NFS? and and thinking about how do I create a use case that we talked about with a a shared directory of stuff, right? Hopefully it'll kind of make sense if you see it on a reference architecture or in many cases, the shared services kind of area that you do in a hub and spoke as, as we get into the, how are we designing our Azure pieces to work with SAP environments. So Ravi, I would like to point out too that there is a book that's out there from SAP Press that I find very useful. It's called SAP on Microsoft Azure, Architecture and Administration. And I think I know the author of this book. You know, you
0: brought up. Do you know the author of this book?
1: <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> Ravi, it is you. And I'd like to say I, I have read through the book. Um, and I have used it a, as a reference. And uh, I just wanted to say you did a great job on this book. I think it's something that every administrator should have. So I know this came out around the Christmas time frame. I know I have my copy. And I, I think you did a great job on
0: it. Thanks, Nathan. I think the idea behind book was Internet has a lot of information and it can get inundated. If you go to docs.microsoft, you don't know where to start. So having something kind of combination of what Azure is, what SAP is, and how it works together in your hands, where you can just not only use it as a starting point, but reference point going forward too, that, that's great to have, I think.
1: Perfect. So Ravi, uh, we're about up to time. And guys, remember, we're trying to keep these at about just enough time for you to walk the dog, uh, or (laughs) do whatever you want to do, and just get a quick touch point on a topic. So uh, what are we going to talk about next?
0: Our next topic is going to be landing zone. So there's this concept of Azure landing zone, and we want to talk about how Azure landing zone applies for SAP. So in that context, what does SAP landing zone look like, what it means, and if you were to use it, how to go about
1: it. And just to put it out there, Ravi, if our listeners would like us to talk about a particular topic, or if you have questions, please feel free to send an email to connect at sapazuretalk.com.
0: That's connect at SAP on AzureTalk.com. That's our website, Dan.
1: Sounds great. See you later,
0: Robbie.